Hello, hello. Hey, up. What's up? What's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, privyet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a fantastic show for today with an amazing guest, travel writer and digital nomad, Jess Agostino joins the show. For 15 years, Jess worked in the corporate world in New York City before deciding to jump ship, work remotely, and travel around the world. What she thought was going to be a simple year-long journey ended up being a complete lifestyle change. Now she works remotely and travels the world full-time. It's her hope to give like-minded people the resources they need to learn about potential destinations and fulfill their own dreams of traveling the world, whether it be working remotely or by other means. As a writer, she's met many enlightening travel guides, but I first came across her on a post in which she talked about her experiences over the last year. Initially, Jess traveled to Peru. She thought she would only be there for a few months, but once the pandemic hit and the cascade of events that followed, Jess found herself still living in Peru over a year later, something that she never planned on, but adapted and embraced every moment of it. Jess has a deep and profound zest for being curious, and it's that curiosity that has enabled her to flourish while being a digital nomad. On today's episode, Jess talks about the slings and arrows that came with the last year and how she was able to persevere and keep her head throughout all the turmoil. Jess also reflects on how having that curious mindset has helped her adapt throughout all of her travels. And finally, Jess and I discuss the underrated Peruvian cuisine, one of my favorite regional cuisines in the world. Jess shares with us her favorites. She tells the adventurous tale of when she ate something she never thought she would have. Jess is incredibly intelligent but also compassionate towards others and with those characteristics I feel that she is someone who's made to travel and to show us why travel is important. It does take a certain type of person to be a digital nomad and I think there's no greater choice than Jess Agostino. Thrilled for everyone to meet her so let's go ahead and bring on travel writer, digital nomad, and lover of all things Peru, Jess Agostino and let's learn. Thank you for being here. Joining me from Peru, you abandoned the traditional corporate world in order to travel and be a digital nomad. So where did that inspiration and motivation first come from? Yeah, so um, I lived and worked in New York City for approximately 15 years um, in the television industry. I was working in in the event planning industry while I was living there for television companies. And while I was living there, I was very career focused. Um, my career and success in my career was really, say, like 80% of my life at the time. And, um, you know, starting out in my, I was in my young 20s, and I thought that that's really what my main focus and main goal should be, um, is to succeed as an event producer. What you're um, supposed to do is what and, life tells you to. Is what, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I also, you know, throughout that time and really since I can remember, I've had a thirst for travel, Um, like obsessively. I had all of these travel bloggers that I would read all of the time. Legal Nomads was one of them. I would always go on to that website and just read through all of their articles and just wish that that was my life. But it felt like it was something that was like I wanted it, but it just felt like something that was not attainable to me because at the time I didn't have the courage to go and leave everything that I worked towards and travel. Traveling also seemed like very scary to me because prior to leaving um, to work remotely and travel full time, I really had only 
I had only solo traveled once in my life to Barcelona, Spain, and then I had gone on a handful of um, trips with my family, but that was really it. So I couldn't really like wrap my arms around how to do it, but it was always in the back of my mind. Um, and then I'd, I'd say around the year like 2017, um, the idea of working remotely and traveling became a little bit more mainstream. Um, I know that being a digital nomad has existed for almost 20 years now. I mean, definitely the concept of full-time travel and working while traveling has existed for much longer, but digital nomadism um, seemed to become more attainable to me personally. Um, and there were all of these groups kind of that I had read about remote year being one of them um, and, and others. And I had had a couple of friends that went and traveled around the world with these remote work groups. And it seemed really interesting to me. Um, but then I thought, but I'm an event planner, like event planners don't work remotely. <laughs> like it's just not, it definitely wasn't something that anyone would think could happen. Um, and so I thought like, I don't really know what I'll do. Um, but I, I want to do this. Um, so I thought about it for a while and then push came to shove. And eventually after like years of thinking about doing something like this, I um, decided, okay, like now is the time I'm just going to I'm just going to quit my job and go. Um, and I, I was, I signed up to go with a group called uh, We, we Roam. They also known as Yco. They rebranded before I joined them. Um, it was a remote work and travel group and they sent me a contract. I sat on it for like one month. I wasn't sure if I should do it. And then I just realized like something is missing in my life. Um, I love my career, but I definitely don't think I could be happy if I didn't try to go and travel. Um, and I said like, what's one year? Like, I'll just go do it. So I signed up to join Yco. Um, the, the day that I landed in my first stop, which was Peru, which is where I actually live now, um, Yco went bankrupt as a company. So that's something else that we can maybe talk about in a bit. So then I ended up traveling on my own with a few friends for a year uh, because the way that we wanted to travel wasn't possible from day one. Um, and I thought that I was just going to travel for one year, but then after working remotely and traveling for one year, I decided to just keep living that life because um, I didn't, didn't want to go back and I didn't have to because I've, I've been financially sustaining alone. Um, and I forgot to mention, I, uh, went from working in a, in a corporation as a full-time employed event producer to now, um, freelancing with, with a few clients that I work for remotely as a freelance event planner. How did you develop the confidence needed to take such a big leap and then the confidence to continue to do what you're doing? Yeah. Um, the confidence was really the hardest part to develop because, you know, I mean, I think that's something that I've struggled with my whole life. I think a lot of people do is confidence in yourself to do something confidence to, you know, I think we all know intuitively what would make us the happiest, but to actually have the confidence to say, I can do it. I will go do this. That takes a lot of, 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 um, thought. And, um, I think I had more confidence than I gave myself credit for when I decided to take the leap and go. Um, I was so scared throughout the whole thing. And I think that it just came to the point where it was like, if you don't do this, you will not be happy. Like I just had this inner voice that was telling me like, just go and see what will happen. And honestly, the first year that I was traveling, I had so many moments of like, how will I make money next month? Because I was also like building my freelance business while I was traveling. Um, there was the thought of what have I done? I just like blew up my career. Um, I left New York City, which is a hard city to 
develop a life in. And I thought, how will I go back Mm -hmm. um, to that? I was asking myself the wrong questions though. You know, I realized at the end of the, that first chapter of the journey, because it's, I shouldn't have been saying, how will I go back to that? It's what am I realizing about my life now that I love? Um, And can you have the confidence to be a little bit different than most of your friends back in the United States where I'm from Mm -hmm. and just pursue what you love? That was confidence that developed over time. And I think that very slowly, but surely as I realized that, when you go for what you love, you will be more successful and definitely you'll be happier. And, and 100% for me, I've been far less stressed because it's, I love what I'm doing. And I think when you live a life that's congruent with what your inner desire is, um, the confidence comes as you see that you can be successful in that, you know, but it's a slow process and um, it's still developing. I'm far from the most confident person in the world. It's just that it, it grows little by little as, as I've been going through through life the past few years. You mentioned that some of the questions that you had are like, how am I going to succeed financially for the next month or in the future and getting clients and whatnot? A lot of uncertainty in what you're doing, a lot of uncertainty. So yeah. how do you handle the, the day-to-day minutia of uncertainty, but also the bigger scale things of the, when the macro and micro scales of uncertainty? Yeah. So I'm a natural born worrier. Um, I will worry about everything. And I think when you travel, like you, they, there's that saying, it's just like sort of cheesy, but very true is that you bring your whole self with you when you travel and it is entirely true. And so even though I have my life, I'm, I'm going down a path that I love and I feel less stressed. I still am constantly always anticipating okay what's next what's next and and how and and i i have sort of like this planner brain where i'm always problem solving like okay if this happens and it fails what will i do constantly i can't turn it off um i do meditate a lot which helps with trying to stay present but it is definitely a work in progress and you know if it's definitely the 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 concept of not worrying so much and being present um, has gotten, I've gotten better at staying present. Definitely like throughout the past couple of years of being nomadic, I've realized like worrying is so silly because it always works out one way or another. And if it doesn't, like I have the capacity to figure it out. Everyone does if you just trust yourself. Um, But I still have instances where I'm like, where will I be living next month? Um, you know, um, I'm in Peru. Will the borders close again and I can't go home, um, you know, to the United States and see my parents? Um, because I freelance, because, and I am an event planner, uh, will the events that I'm working on now be canceled because of the pandemic? You know, there are con- constant worries always. And I think it's kind of like you sort of go from one worry to the next in life. I think everyone does. So I think it's, it's really just trying to stay present. Meditation definitely helps. Um, but again, I think it's human nature to always kind of be wondering what will happen. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't know that that will ever go away. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately probably not. But yeah, you've had so much yeah. more uncertainty just with the, with, like you said, the border regulations, all the bureaucratic yeah. aspects. So over the last year, your plans ended up changing drastically. So can you bring me up to date on this last year and kind of adventure that you've had? And because this is how I first found you was a tweet that you put yeah. up about this this turbulent year that is, was so surprising for you. So what's the last year been like? Um, sure. So it's been like crazy and unexpected. I think as everyone in the world can say. Um, 
so let's see, I'll, I'll start with when the pandemic started in March, I was in Peru um, and I was only supposed to be here for two months from February to March. Um, I had a ticket booked to go to New York City for March 16th. Um, and when I was to go to New York City, it was to um, work on an event uh, for a client in New York um, to help execute that on ground. Um, and that week, like the week that I was supposed to fly back, all of a sudden COVID went from like, oh, you know, we were talking in Peru, like there are 70 cases, but we're okay here. It's yeah. better than in Italy. Like, haha, uh, not haha, like, it's terrible, but you know, like it's, we're better here than, than, than in Italy and China. And it, but in the back of my mind, I think in the back of everyone's minds, we were kind of like, okay, but like, should we be worried or not? And then all of a sudden overnight, it felt like, this was a huge um, problem and everything just happened so quickly. Um, Peru, so in New York City, the cases were escalating and I didn't know if the event that I was working on was going to be canceled. It seemed we were having conversations about canceling it because it was really bad there before it became bad in Peru. But then in Peru, within that same week, they closed the borders very abruptly and then sent everyone into a very quick and very tight lockdown. Um, so my flight was canceled and the event was canceled, like all in the matter of a week. And I, I think like at that time, everyone thought, well, at least like I thought and my friends here thought that it would maybe just be two weeks because Peru said your lo the lockdown here will be two weeks long. That's it. But then they kept extending it two weeks more, two weeks more, two weeks more until like we blinked and we were in lockdown for six months. Um, and the lockdown in Peru was we could only leave the house to... Um, go to the supermarket, the doctor, or the pharmacy. So it was very, very, I think, like, mentally challenging. Um, and um, so that was happening kind of, like, lifestyle-wise. And um, then there was the constant decision in my mind of, like, should I go home or should I stay here? You know, it's it's weird it was, it's, it was a weird concept to, to wrap our, my arms around. And I have a lot of nomadic friends who struggled with the fact that we don't have homes. We are nomadic. Like we, we float from apartment to apartment. So when you're being told to lock down, it's where am I locking down? Um, and where will I be comfortable? Um, I've got friends who just stayed in the United States and stopped traveling. And um, it was like just a very, a constant battle of what should I do? What should I not do? And then work-wise, um, you know, all of the events that I was working on were canceled. Um, and so there was a stop of income just as a freelancer, you know, for three months. Um, and then I think I got the three month mark of this pandemic. So towards the end of May, um, the events industry, uh, like I think I noticed they realized, okay, this is going to be a per permanent thing. We need to figure out how to like do our job. So I think very thankfully, I'm very lucky. A few of my clients decided to produce virtual events. So I started working on those virtual events from Peru. Um, and so then the pandemic ended up helping me because a lot work-wise, because a lot more became virtual. So no one cared really where I was. Like, um, whereas sometimes me being in another country is a barrier to them hiring me. It ended up working to my benefit, but at first it was really, really scary. Um, and then, you know, I've, I've just decided to, to stay in Peru um, until things settle down a little bit more with COVID and until I feel like it's safe to like go back to the United States. Um, I mean, I, I think it would, 
be safe, but it's just logistically very complicated to, yeah. to go. And I'm very comfortable here. So I'm just going to wait it out until, till I can go back. Um, and then obviously like I, as a, as a nomad who likes to travel, I had had a lot of plans to travel in the past year as well. And I just, I obviously did not do that. I was going to go to Guatemala and Mexico um, over this past summer, uh, August, May through August. But um, you know, that, that obviously was, was put on hold. So just a lot of plan changing and um, ups and downs as everyone, everyone has experienced in some way. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think the biggest lesson that being a digital nomad is taught? not necessarily just from the last year, but just in general of being a digital nomad? The biggest lesson that being a digital nomad has taught me is like be yourself and do what makes you happy. I think digital nomadism is something that most people in my circle don't understand, um, but they support. And um, it was it was scary to think about building this lifestyle that was a little bit different, different with no, you know, at the time I didn't have any guidance from anyone of like, how do you start a career working remotely as an event planner? And how do you live this life where you don't, you just go from place to place. Um, and so it was a lot of figuring it out on your own. But I think when you let your intuition lead and when you go with what you really love, usually it works out. And if it doesn't, at least you tried. Um, so definitely that I would say like you don't have to conform to what everyone in your bubble is doing. You can do what makes you ha feel happy and that will usually make you feel better oh, as well, a person. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thus far, just in your experiences, what are the locations that have had the most powerful emotional hold on you? Um, I would say definitely. So Peru has definitely had the biggest emotional pull on me. And I think it's because I've spent the most collective time here. I've, I've been here a collective of two years um, on and off throughout the past few years. Um, I love Peru. It's the terrain is insanely beautiful. Um, it's just geographically so diverse. Like they've got the jungle, mountains, the beach, desert, all in close proximity to one another, more or less. Um, I mean, not, not really, but like it's easy to go around Peru and see various different terrains throughout a week. Um, the people are like extremely kind. The food is delicious. Um, definitely Peru. And then I've got a lot of other countries and cities that I've been to that I love and would love to go back to as well. Have you visited the Nazca lines? I, you know, I actually haven't because I feel like the flight to do that is so expensive. Okay. So I haven't, but I want to, it looks cool. Um, but I have not visited the Nazca lines. They just yeah. found a cat imprint that I want to go check okay. out. It's like, it was like all over the news this year. And in Cusco, you're getting a lot of, of tourists from around the world. So is it still, are, are you meeting people regularly just from all over the planet? Yes. Um, I was actually surprised by that. We, um, so we were living in Lima, Peru for six months mm -hmm. and we moved to, uh, when I say we, I mean my friend and I, um, that's here with me. Um, and then we decided we needed to be in nature. So we came to Cusco, which is a little bit more in the mountains. Lima is a lot more of a concrete jungle. Um, and when we came to Cusco, we were so shocked to see how many expats live here and like how many travelers have been coming in and out that we've met. Um, so we've met a lot of other nomadic people who came from the United States, Mexico, Costa Rica, London, um, and, um, and so on and so forth. No one can enter from Europe 
at the moment, but there are a lot of Europeans uh, because of the, the strain, the, the British strain that they just found there, but um, there are a lot of Europeans here who have been nomadic and who landed in Cusco. And um, there's a big community of people who have been here since the start of the pandemic that are from other countries and just decided to stay. And so it feels really nice. It feels like I found like a little community of like-minded people here. It's been really awesome. Love it. And surprising. Yeah. Peruvian food, one of my favorite cuisines. What is the Surrey worm and how was that experience? And then what are some of the must-have foods in the Peruvian cuisine that you'd recommend? Sure. Uh, so the Surrey worm, uh, so I went to Iquitos. Um, it's a city in the Amazon, uh, in, the Amazon in Peru. And um, I went on a three- Day, a two night, three day like trek into the deep into the jungle um, with a friend. And I like am not the kind of person to usually do like things that would are worrisome, but I or like that are super adventurous. But I lost my mind when I went to the jungle and just like did like I held a tarantula and like did all of the stuff that I definitely never would have thought I would do. Um, but we went into the jungle with a tour guide and he um like hit um a tree and like pulled a worm out and he said that it was a surrey worm and i had heard a little bit about it before and i knew that the surrey worm it was a delicacy in iquitos and that everyone eats it and that the best way to eat it is live which i thought was like so disgusting and i was like i before i went i was like i will never eat anything live that is so gross but then in the jungle i was really hot i was surrounded by mosquitoes I don't know. I lost all sense of reality. And um, he held the Surrey worm in front of me and was like, eat this. And it was wiggling and white and very small and disgusting. And he ate it first. And I was like, okay. Um, and then I just ate it very quickly. And, and sometimes like when I do things like that, I just think like my brain goes blank. So like I ate it and it was like very calm. Um, and it tasted like a coconut gusher do you know what gushers are like the candy from yeah. like it tasted like a coconut gusher mm. like very sweet and actually sort of good <laughs> like so gross and when my friend ate one um and then i mean i'll i won't do it again but it was a nice experience to have once <laughs> yeah you know uh yeah and some of your other favorite items from Peruvian food. Peruvian food, I definitely will say is my favorite. It's Peruvian cuisine is the best I yeah. think, in the world. From what I've tasted, I haven't tasted many, like certainly in relation to how many cuisines there are, but um, they have, so ceviche is delicious mm -hmm. here. It's their classic dish. It's raw fish that's cooked with lemon. Very good. They serve that everywhere. Um, everywhere that like located near the beach. Um, which is a lot of towns here. And then they serve um, a dessert called picarones, mm -hmm. which are delicious. Um, they're like, how do you describe them? They're sort of like donuts that are made with sweet potato and a lot of other ingredients um, that, I'm sorry, I don't exactly know what ingredients go into it, but they're, they're like donuts that are made with sweet potato and then dipped into a sugary syrup. And those are my weakness. I think like during the lockdown, I've found food as my like source of comfort. And I like, well, I have to stop myself because I want to go every single day to buy picarones. Sure. Like it's like every day going to buy donuts. So um, they're very good as well. I agree. Uh, those are fantastic. Peruvian food underrated. Yes, um, I think so too. Your website is Jag Setter. What are the travel resources that visitors can expect? 
Sure. So on my website, um, I've written travel guides for every country that I've gone to. So far, I've gone to um, almost 30 countries. So I've got a travel guide on each of those countries. And as I go to a new city, I write another guide and post it onto my website. The travel guides include all of the tips that I know that I personally look for when I'm setting out to travel, what to pack, what the key things to do are, what transportation is like. And then I always like to include tips of things to know, like how does tipping work in this country? Um, what scams should you look out for? You know, for example, when I went to Morocco, um, and there are tons of scams that like you, you may not be aware of. And so I, I try to think of like, what will a traveler need to know and, and what is not necessarily on every other travel page? What can I, from my perspective, what can I include? Um, so there's a lot of that. And then I've um, also blog about my personal experiences. For example, I, re I wrote about my experience going to the Peruvian Amazon and all of the adventurous things that I did while I was there. Um, and I'm going to start building content about being a digital nomad and um, resources for building a lifestyle like that as well. And this was great. I hope we chat again. I hope That's we chat great. again. But this yeah, keep in touch um, and shoot me a DM if you ever go to Peru or I will. whatever. So I will. good luck. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. Later. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Jess. Be sure to check out her website, jagsetter.com. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway Show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. Aviento.